As we come to worship the Lord this morning, I want to issue to you a call to worship from Psalm 115, verses 1 through 8. We're focusing upon the object of our worship and His immutable perfections. And this morning, I want to contemplate His self-existence. Psalm 115, verses 1 to 8 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Although our God is the creator of all things, He Himself was created by no one. When This is a doctrine known as God's self-existence, or His aseity is the technical term that God exists of Himself. He has no beginning. He has no origin. He has no point of creation. No, no one created Him, which makes Him completely altogether different from any creature we can imagine. Because everything has an origin. But God Himself has no origin. He Himself is His own beginning, as it were. He has, he's eternal and self-existent. When Paul was in Athens, he was provoked because he saw all the idolatry that the city was given over to. There was an ancient writer who actually said that if you were in Athens and you spit, you're more likely to hit a god than a man. Because there were so many statues and idols of, uh, of false gods that they were just everywhere. And so Paul gave a crash course in theology proper on the top of Mars Hill. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 17. Uh, he said this, God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands. His point is this, all the gods you've created, you created them. Their source of origin is you. But the God who created you, nobody created Him. And there's a very important thing to realize about this. First of all, when men create uh, gods on their own, they always create gods that will service their own lusts that will give them the indulgence to live in sexual morality, that will allow them to slaughter other people whom they hate. In other words, they create them according to their own depraved desires. And if their God fails to, to, to uh, please them, because they owe their existence to the men who created them, those men can refine them. They can change them. They can even smash them to the ground and start all over again if they want to because they are subject to the one who created them. But the reality is, God, our God isn't created by anybody. And in one sense, a God who's uncreated is in one sense terrifying, because you can't control Him. He doesn't look to you for counsel. He doesn't ask you how to run your life today. He doesn't tell, come to you and consult with you about how to uh, run history. As C.S. Lewis says, God is not a tame lion. He cannot be tamed or domesticated by us. You're not in control of Him in any way, shape, or form. You can't change Him. You can't manipulate Him. You can't smash Him and, and, and start all over again and rebuild Him in a, according to the way you want Him to be. And this is the exact point being made in Psalm 115. Our God is in heaven. 
And he does whatever pleases him. You can't stop him. But don't you love him for that as God's people? Don't you love the fact that he knows what he's doing and he's all wise and he knows better than you and I do how to run our lives? And that's what's going on. And here's the thing. God can act and God can save, whereas the gods of men cannot act and they cannot save. Here's the point being made by the psalmist. They have eyes. They carved eyes in their statues, but they can't see anything. They carved ears on them. They can't hear anything. They got a mouth and they can't speak. And the ones who worship them, they're just like them. They're just as dead as the idols they worship. They're dead in trespasses and sins. It reminds me of uh, Elijah's confrontation of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You remember what happened? They cried out to Baal to send out fire from heaven and consume their sacrifice. And they stood all day and they screamed and yelled and danced and jumped around. And they started cutting themselves until blood started gushing out of their wounds. And then the scriptures say, no one heard. No one paid any attention. No one spoke. There was no God to answer them. But then Elijah cried out to our God. And immediately he answered by sending fire from heaven to show that he truly is God. So as we worship God today, we are worshiping God as he's revealed himself to be, not as we imagine him to be. As he's revealed himself to be in his creation, but most particularly in his holy scriptures. And so as we approach him this morning, he is in one sense, to use the old English language, a terrible God, an awesome God, an amazing God. And if you're like me, do you ever sometimes wonder Have I ever really entered into his worship? Have I ever really known what it is to enter into worship because my heart's so full of corruption that my dull heart can only give him a little bit of praise and it's not adequate and it's not worthy of him? And yet, as we come before the Lord today, first of all, we worship according to his word. But secondly, we worship in the name of his son so that all of our imperfections are cleansed away through the merits of Christ because we don't come to offer worship in our own name, but in the name of His Son, Jesus. But we also come full of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to listen to the Word of God read and preached as we ought, to sing His praises as we should, to join our hearts together in prayer, to sit at the Word of God and hear it, and to believe it, and to walk away resolved we're going to obey it by His mercies. So let's worship and enjoy the true and living God this morning. Let's open in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing we're not worthy to come in our own selves. But we praise you that you have invited us to come boldly. And Lord, you are worthy of far greater worship than our dull hearts can give you. But we come in the name of Jesus Christ, asking that he would cleanse away all of our imperfections, all of our sinful uh, issues that would quench the Spirit inside of us. And we pray that you will fill us full of the Holy Spirit. Bless us as we uh, preach the word, hear the word, read the word, pray from our hearts, sing your praises, Lord, as we fellowship with one another, even as we transact business later, Lord, we pray that your spirit would govern all that is said and done for the glory of, of your own name. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.